you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hi, this is Dan Miller. Hey, we're ready for a rousing 48 minutes of unpacking real-life questions from your listeners. Hey, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can visit audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days and get a free audiobook download. Now, I'm going to be making some specific suggestions here in a little bit, so stay with us. We've got some hot books I want to recommend that you get to start accelerating your journey to success. Well, I'm going to title today's podcast, If They Resent You, Keep Growing. That's growing, not going. You want to keep going too, but keep growing. If they resent you, keep growing. I'll tell you why here. We've got a quotation in just a minute I'll share with you. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at today. Dan, do your teachings apply to a 71-year-old accountant who is still working and earning $17 an hour today? Hmm. Dan, how do you put a dream on hold during a family emergency? Here's one. We'll enjoy this one together. Dan, okay, so your advice does work in Atlanta. Well, if you remember last week, I read a a note from somebody who said, my principles don't work in Atlanta and went on to elaborate why. And I uh, kind of countered that and saying it doesn't matter where you live. And young man wrote back, was kind enough to write back and says, hey, it does work. He's on his way. Dan, should I be a coach or a counselor? Now, that's an interesting distinction and one that many of you need to know clearly how those are distinguishable and just it's a matter of where you want to end up as to how you position yourself. Someone says, Dan, even when I get fired off and feel like I deserve less than what I left, ouch. Now we know that we tend to end up pretty much where we expect to. And if you think you deserve less, guess which direction you're going to be going in. So that's a very critical change we want to prompt in that particular listener. We'll get to that in a little bit. Dan, would it be ethical for me to leave a company only four months after getting hired? Okay, well, look at that. Well, here's our quotation for the day. This comes from Rick Warren, pastor and author of Purpose Driven Life and other books, who said, when you're small, they'll dismiss you. When you're growing, They'll criticize you. When you're large, they'll resent you. Hey, get used to it. If everybody loves you, you're not stretching enough. If everybody thinks you're the greatest, no criticism at all, you're not making a difference. It just goes hand in hand with that. If you're doing something, you're going to have people that are throwing stones at you. And the more you're visible with any kind of success, helping more people, serving more people, the more criticism you're going to draw. Just goes without saying. Well, we always like to start off with some success stories, and this week is no exception. Got one here. This comes from Jonathan Harmon. Now, Jonathan wrote a note, a handwritten card, and sent it to me in an envelope. Now, you know, it's isn't it funny how that gets our attention these days when we communicate so much just online? digitally, electronically, virtually, but to get a handwritten card in the mail still stands out. Now that's, that's one of those things we still use in a job search, incidentally, 
is mail that goes through the snail mail. Yes, it's old-fashioned. And guess what? It gets attention, unlike just one more of 300 emails that are going to come in to a human resource director on any given day. So anyway, Jonathan hand wrote a note. Joanne, my wife, is a master at handwriting. She wrote letters, handwritten letters to my dad every week up until the day he died. She writes notes to affirm people, encourage them, congratulate them, wish them a happy birthday, and people all over the country recognize the, the unique pleasure of getting a note from Joanne. Anyway, Jonathan hand wrote a note, which obviously made an impression on me. Here's what he said. Earlier this year, I made it a goal to thank the people that played a role in my life to this point. I've never met you, and you likely have never heard my name before, but you helped change my life. A little over four years ago, I lost my high school teaching job. It was devastating because I knew that I was, that, that's what I was supposed to do. Shortly after that, Michael Del Giorno and Nick Allegro taught a 48 days workshop that my wife and I attended. That workshop not only motivated me, but gave my wife the courage to let me pursue a career in real estate. That, that, that's an interesting phrase. I love that. It gave my wife the courage to let me pursue a career in real estate. I got my license in 2009, probably the worst year ever. I sold 18 houses that first full year. Amazing how God blesses you when you're really doing what he wants you to do. Right now, I'm on track to close 60 transactions this year. My wife got her license and quit her job to help and also be more of a mom. All of this because your book, 48 Days, motivated us to get up, dust ourselves off, and get after it. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for creating something so powerful and for being a minister to the employed and unemployed miserable. Jonathan Harmon. Well, Jonathan, thanks so much for your note. Congratulations on doing what you're doing. You know, I never get tired of hearing those stories about how something I wrote or said played even a tiny part in that inspiration to get somebody to take action and move to a higher level of success. Golly, love it, love it, love it. Well, Brian says, your show has been so motivational. Thank you. My online business is bringing in $1,000 a month and listening to you has been a big part of my success. I run an online test review site at physicianassistantexamreview.com. I'm thinking of coaching people through the entire study process over a period of six to eight weeks. My question is, I'm planning on using other people's study material to do that. I would have my clients purchase several books and an online course, and I would walk them through all of that material. Do you think that would be a problem? Using this model, I could get started today. If I had to produce all my own material, it could take months. Thank you again for the impact you've had on my life and my way of seeing the world. Well, Brian, congratulations on doing what you're doing to already be up and running with your instructional material, helping people prepare for a physician assistance exam. And making a thousand bucks a month. I mean, that's pretty cool. And yes, people will be asking for more. I mean, most of what I do at this point have, was in response to people asking for more and more and more. We just simply keep re, keep providing that. So you can go to a higher level here. There is nothing wrong at all with the models you laid out. It's a perfectly acceptable model. You can have your clients purchase books that are relevant to the topic purchase an online course just as it is those people make their money from selling those products to those people or to you directly as a distributor either way is fine and then you can facilitate the use of that material and get paid very well for doing that nothing wrong with that at all we have a lot of people around the country who teach the 48 days seminar so 
The package includes the 48 Days Workbook, the hardback, Rudder of the Day, a DVD, personality profile, 48 candies. I forget what all's in there. I think it's like $69. Now, let's say that you put a class together. And let's say that just for easy discussion, you charged $169 for participants to go through the 48-day seminar. That would be a real reasonable fee. I mean, people charge as much as seven, eight, nine hundred dollars for people to go through that. But let's say you charge $169, having paid $69 for materials. So you make $100. I make the 69 minus the cost of all the materials. I may end up making 10 bucks on that. You make $100. Is that reasonable? Absolutely. Always the person selling is who makes the most money. There's way more money in selling something than in creating it. I can have you make a widget. I I can get it done in China where I pay 20 cents and I may charge $20 for it. The money is in selling, not creating. So you can hold your head high and you can go on and make a whole lot of money without ever having created original course materials. If you're selling the compilation of those things and walking people through the process, very legitimate way to do that. No. Now, now here's the other the part of it. This is a real black and white distinction. If you take material out of those books that you're now using as resources and out of that online course and you pull entire paragraphs and put it into something new that you create and now call that your own book and sell it, that's copyright infringement. That's plagiarism. That you can't do. That you'll get in trouble for. That's totally different. What you're describing is totally legitimate. Have them use the textbook, the online course. You facilitate the process. Make money as a facilitator. Bingo. Perfect. Excellente. Well, Jared says, thank you so much for everything you do. I had my teeth kicked in over the last 24 months, losing one business, joining corporate America, finding out that isn't for me, and then quitting God has blessed me with finding you, your podcast, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I'm ready to launch again, and I'm trying to start a podcast related to agriculture and a couple of different intellectual properties. My first question is, who's the guy you send your podcast out to for production? Are there any tips you can give me on podcasting in general? Lastly, when launching a book without a publisher, what steps would, would it take to make it a success? Thanks in advance. May God bless you the way you bless me. Well, who do I send my podcast to? Cliff Ravenscraft. I mean, I talk about Cliff a lot. He's the guy that came out of the blue about three years ago. He's now positioned himself as the podcast answer man. And he is, he is rocking. I mean, he is recognizable all over the country as the podcast answer man. New Media Expo that's coming up in January He's heading up the podcast track. There'll be thousands and thousands of people there. He heads up the podcast track. I mean, he's shot to the, he's skyrocketed to the top of his game in podcasting. He does the production work on mine. When my podcast is finished, I send him an email, say, Cliff, it's up. I upload it on an FTP, FTP server. He goes and gets it, cleans it up, makes it appear on our website, Stitcher, Zoom, all those other places. I have no idea how he does all those things. He's the one that does that. Now, I'm not sure he's available just to do that. I mean, he does that for me because of our professional business relationship, but he can certainly direct you. You can join the his podcast group in 48days.net. There's a whole lot of podcasters there. And how do you get up to speed in podcasting? He's got an A to Z course that is second to none. I mean, I require 
that if I'm going to do a podcast interview with somebody that they've been through his podcast A to Z course, his tutorial, or one of um, Pat Flynn's tutorials on podcasting, I mean, I just require that because I know the value that it brings in terms of helping somebody do it in a really professional manner. So Cliff Ravenscraft is a guy, find him on 48days.net or through the podcast Answer Man. How to get a, without a publisher, make a book a success. I mean, and as much as I, I field a lot of questions, I'm not an expert in a whole lot of things, but I know where to find the answers. We've got such an amazing group of people together. And again, a group in 48days.net in that 48days.net community is one headed up by Tony DiLorenzo called Do-It-Yourself Publishing. And you can go there and he can give you all kinds of help on how to publish yourself, even if you aren't using a major publisher and make it look professional. Well, Paula says, um, now this came in as a result of Paula being part of the 48 Days Challenge. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we started that, the 48 Days Challenge. I think we've got like 383 people that are in that 48 Days Challenge where they're going through what to do every day of the 48. And then we're going to have a celebration call at the very end of that, which is about September 4th, I believe, where we hear the success stories from people who are going through that. But Paul was a little turned off by all the information overload that she got when she went to the group that we created in 48days.net for those people to talk to each other. She says, hi, it would be terrific to see an engagement page for newcomers without all the excess fluff items for sale, peeps selling their business, etc. I'm quite tech savvy and spend a lot of time on the internet and mobile world, my regular business in my new life. When I come to this site, I find it rather overwhelming and filled with a lot of excess stuff, ads, groups, etc. that keep me away from engaging with the community. White space is good. Very good. Um, and she says, consider, you know, having people in that group be able to come in a place just for them and just the information that they're going through there. I think the stories and resources are terrific, but I'm turned off by the extra stuff as a newbie to the site. It keeps me from engaging more. I need to keep my visual resources tied to my work, other social media platforms, et cetera, not in the maze of 48 days. When I get the basics down and I'm ready to explore more then I will do it. Here you don't really give me the option because it's all thrown in my visual space, my two cents. Well, Paula, thanks for your, thanks for your input. And I'll be very open about what our methods are. In the 48 Days community, everybody there is selling something. It just is part of the game. If you're doing something... And you have an area of expertise. I mean, we all are selling. Well, let's, let's just say, let's say that you pop into Walmart on your way home from work because you need a half gallon of milk. Where do you find that half gallon of milk? One of the most common items that people are going to need from a grocery store. Where do you find that? Are these guys idiots? Don't they know that it would save you a lot of steps to have it right inside the front door? Where is the half gallon of milk? It's in the very back of the store. Now we know why that is true. It's because in as much as they may have 95 people walk in the front door who only need a half gallon of milk. They don't make it easy to just pick it up and leave the store. They have you walk by 10,000 other items that you're going to see. And you know what happens? 
Nobody walks out of the store with just a half gallon of milk. Oh, I'll get some butter and eggs. Oh, you got the granola bars on sale today. Boom. And you end up at the front counter with a hundred things in your grocery cart. Now that's not being manipulative. That's being smart in business. We want everybody to be smart in business. It's not misrepresenting or conning or manipulating in any way. It's using good practices to be successful in business. Now, there's a book. Uh, I just heard an interview this morning with Daniel Pink. Daniel Pink wrote Free Agent Nation, um, A Whole New Mind, and his newest book is To Sell is Human. I love, I love Daniel Pink and his work. He's a great guy. He did an endorsement for a couple of my books. Can't remember which ones. But anyway, he's a great guy. But his new book is To Sell as Human. Here's the deal. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, one in nine Americans work in sales. Every day, more than 15 million people earn their key by persuading someone else to make a purchase. But dig deeper and a startling truth emerges. Yes, one in nine American workers in sa- works in sales. But so did the other eight. Whether we're employees pitching colleagues on a new idea, entrepreneurs enticing funders to invest, or parents and teachers cajoling children to study, we spend our days trying to move others. Like it or not, we're all in sales now. Now, this is a great place for me to recommend that you use that link. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days, and you can get that. If you're not currently a member of Audible, you can get that free to sell as human the brand new book by Daniel Pink. I think it'll blow your mind and help you reframe any aversion to or pushback about selling. So are we selling at 48 days? Are we selling on the 48days.net site? Absolutely. We've got almost now 14,000 people on there who are all selling something. There's no secret about that. We allow a lot of flexibility for people to promote their new workshop, their teleseminar, their ebook, their new book. They're going to be giving an ebook away for 48 hours free, and then they go to charging for that. We've had stories in there recently, like Andy Traub, how he made $20,000 in 90 days with his little ebook, Easy to Rise, Early to, early to Rise, rather. And uh, Aaron Kerr, I just highlighted him because he did a little compilation of Anne of Green Gables stories and made like 30,000 bucks with material that he didn't even write. I love those stories. We're, we're, our success stories are people who are selling things, who are having a lot of success. The first success story I had here today was from a guy who is on track to sell 60 houses this year. That's going to make him a lot of commission. I love those sell, those stories. We don't have success stories on here where somebody, you know, is just um, content where they are and uh, not trying to move anything or change anybody else's lives. I mean, that is what we're doing. Well, Paul, let me me just kind of wrap this up. You paid $20 to be part of the 48 Days Challenge. Now, here's another example. In a couple of weeks, we'll be having the event here at the sanctuary that we call Innovate. As of this morning, as of my speaking right now, we have two spaces left. At six hundred, at seven hundred and fifty dollars each. So that's going to be sixty people, and we'll have a waiting list with people hoping and hoping that someone drops out. For how many of those sixty people that will be there? Do you think that was their first purchase? I can pretty well guarantee you, not a single one. 
Most of those people bought a book, then a teleseminar, maybe a personality profile, and then finally they show up at a live event here. I mean, to think that we have any one piece of information here that's going to be the needed ingredient for your success, I mean, that really is ludicrous. I mean, we're going to introduce you to the whole grocery store. Now, you're going to be in the driver's seat. Nobody's pushing you. Nobody's twitching your arm. But you get to choose just like at Walmart. But we're going to allow you to see a whole lot of products on your way to the back of the store to get that gallon of milk. So that is what it is. Um, Again, I I really don't make any apologies for that. Yeah, we're in business. And I love business. And I love to see other people succeed in business. And this is the way that we help others see how to do it well as well. Hey, thanks for your comments. I do take your comments seriously and appreciate it. Eli from Gainesville, Florida says, does what you teach apply to a 71-year-old accountant who is still working and earning $17 an hour now? His professional experience has been about 20 years in accounting and 15 in auditing in the U.S. and 14 countries. He's fluent in English and Spanish. All right, interesting question. Do my teachings and principles apply to a 71-year-old accountant who's making $17 an hour? Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. We always start with introspection first. Knowing that a job, our work is important, yes. I always stress it's not the only important thing in our lives. If it's 71 years old, this accountant is happy and fulfilled in what they're doing. They're doing a great job for the company. They have wonderful, fulfilling, meaningful, loving relationships with both people they work with and people at home, family, in the community, at church. They're doing other things as a volunteer. There's nothing wrong with having that $17 an hour job. Now, the subtle implication in your question is, is there more available to somebody who's 71 years old and would like to do more than make $17 an hour? Absolutely, that's possible. Absolutely, you can use those principles to draw a line in the sand and say, a year from now, I'm going to be making $100,000 a year. It's never too late. I mean, it's not like you're too old. When you have intellectual property and expertise like you're doing as an accountant, you have years of experience from which to draw. What an amazing, rich resource. You simply have to take that, tweak it, apply it in perhaps a creative, a non-traditional way. What could you do? Could you create a course? Could you create a little ebook? Could you do a seminar? Could you do personal consulting rather than just working by the hour? Could you do your work as a project rather than by the hour? You know, I just hired a young guy to be our yard beauty manager is the term that we gave him. But in essence, our gardener here to take care of all the flower beds that Joanna and I have created over the years. And now we don't have time to keep up with. But I promoted that as a $12 an hour position. I had probably 30 or 40 applicants and a whole lot of people that wanted that job. You know, yes, they know how to pull weeds and they wanted a paycheck. The young guy who I engaged talked very little about his ability to pull weeds, but he walked around and said, Ooh, do you know that you have uh, mites on your azaleas? See how the color is turning yellow instead of green. He flipped it over all these little black mites. He said that needs to be taken care of. You know, walked me over to the water feature. Wow. You've got algae growing in here. Do you know that we can balance that water? He showed me solutions for problems I didn't know I had. 
And then you know what he presented me with? A four-page proposal with a monthly retainer fee. Has nothing to do with hours at all. A monthly retainer fee. I said, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is beautiful. I don't care if you spend two hours a week here or 20. I want the results that you tell me you're going to give me. He's the guy I went with. So we can frame what we're doing, just framing it differently can lead us to different results. Absolutely, you can change the principles work. You can apply them if you're 17 or 71, trust me. Don from Hilliard, Ohio says, Dan, a few weeks ago I was hit with a real bombshell. My mom was diagnosed with cancer. I do illustrations and art for a living, which I can do anywhere, so the decision to move closer to home was an easy one. But I wonder what your advice would be for a person who was facing a tough decision to uproot their life and possibly put a hold on their dream due to family emergency. And then Don says, too, I want you to know I started a group in your 48 Days community, which I'm slowly putting together as we move in or and called by the group is called Stand By Me. I hope it can be a resource for people who might be facing such difficult times and I look forward to promoting and building it in the next month. Thanks as always, Dan. Well, Don, I, I think if you look, you'll see that I was the very first member who joined your group, Stand By Me. I saw that come up, I think it was like on a Saturday morning, and I jumped right in. I thought it was a very cool group. I love the work you've shown yourself to be doing already, the things you're writing. You're an artist and illustrator, but the things you're writing are very thought-provoking So I jumped right in that group, and I think you'll do really well with that, and I'll certainly help you promote it. As to the family emergency, I am sorry to hear about your mom. Those things are seemingly relentless and inevitable for all of us to be confronted with things that we didn't expect and plan on. But here's uh, what I would encourage you to do. This is not a matter of giving up on your dream. You probably framed it pretty well when you said putting a hold in your dream. Yeah, it may put on hold some of your aggressive movement forward, but with you being an artist and illustrator and your work being not geographic specific, where you can do it from anywhere, I really don't think it's more than a bump in the road. Now, I'm not wanting to diminish by any means the emotional toll that it will take with your mom and what may be coming in the future. But recognize this as simply a chapter in your life. This is not the whole story. You're young. You've got a lot of years ahead of you to contribute. So if this is a chapter in your life, see it as such. I mean, the things that I do now, I would never have been able to do when our children were young. When our children were young, I just didn't didn't just ignore them and say, no, you know, dad's busy writing books and doing live events and speaking and coach. No, I had tons of time for them. And a whole lot of things did not get done. I didn't start writing books till I was, geez, like 45 years old. So by then our children were pretty much grown and on their own. I didn't have any books. I never had a book published while we had children at home. They were gone and on their own long before. So the things that I am known for today, I didn't even start until after a lot of my duties as a daddy were finished. And along the way, then duties as a son, you know, through the death of our own parents. Yeah, there were times when there were weeks that we were gone. And that didn't mean that we'd put our dreams on hold. It just meant that there were those necessary details of living a balanced life that we had to address at that time. Well, great question, the way you framed it as well. Well, just a reminder, this is Dan Miller and the 48 Days Online Radio Show, where each week we take questions 
break them down just as you hear us doing here. If you got a question, we'd love to consider that for an upcoming podcast. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link. You'll see an opportunity there where you can either write it out or just speak it. That cool little icon with a microphone, you click on that and just start talking right through your computer. Well, isn't it amazing what computers are doing? Yesterday, I was participating in one of my one-on-one Apple training. Having been a, a brand newbie to the Mac world, I still have at this point three computer screens looking at me here, but making the transition from PC to Mac. But in my Apple training, the young guy showed me a feature on the new Mac where I just hit the function key twice and a little microphone pops up and I start talking and it dictates that you gotta be kidding me. I know there's some, you know, there's some old software out there that I've used like dragon and it gets about one out of three words, right? This is amazing. He just simply started talking and then boom, there it was on the screen. I asked him, I said, could I just do my podcast where I just hit that key and just start talking because we have so many people request transcripts of the podcast he said well yeah i guess you can you know it's going to be a long one a lot of text but you can do that anyway the functionality on the computers these days is mind-boggling and i well as an author seeing the things that i can do in pages on my mac is a uh, pretty astounding the way to integrate quotations illustrations charts graphs pictures size them frame them all that wow i'm i'm excited I'm like a kid with a new toy. Well, now, last week, I talked about somebody who said, Dan, I listen to your show every Friday. Your advice does not seem to work in Atlanta. Well, we talked about that. Young man was looking for mentors and said nobody would agree to work with him. And I commented then, and then I went ahead and wrote a more extensive blog on that. If you go to 48days.com, just look at my blogs. You can see the blog I wrote in response to that and went through 10 things that you can do to explode your personal success without ever having anybody agree to be your mentor. Now, part of that was I had people mentor me for years who didn't know they were mentoring me. That means I was reading great books, listening to wonderful audio programs through Nightingale Conant listening to people like Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and Dennis Waitley and Norman Vincent Peale, Oz Guinness, and the list goes on and on. I mean, those people were mentoring me. So I, I laid that out. Well, I got an update from a young man who sent that question. He says, thanks, Dan Miller, for answering my question on last Friday's podcast. Moreover, the book, The Strangest Secret, I had recommended two books immediately. He says, the book, Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill are the best books I have read so far in my life. Thanks for the tough love. I have stopped with all the excuses and have begun to pray with my feet. Thanks again for answering my question. Your advice does work. I was not applying it correctly. I did not know how much value a clean shave and clean clothes can have on people. Golly. Oh, he says, thanks, Dan. Well, thank you for your update and your vulnerability, your willingness to say, hey, having taken a fresh look at this, it really does work. Love that story. I'll save that. Your two stories and love the fact that you were willing to take action, change the results you were getting. That breaks that pattern that we call insanity. Just change what you're doing. Guess what? New results are going to show up. Boy, hey, I feel so inspired here. You know what? I need to bring this in. There you go. 
Yeah. As many of you know, that's the ringtone on my phone. I, I did not get a phone call here. I purposely brought that out, but I love that. It's just one of that those little ditties that's always going in my mind. I get a lot of reminders during the day because every time my phone rings, that is what I hear. It's a beautiful day. And when you open up a new avenue of success, open up new method of learning, new insight, new understanding, meet some new people, Boy, it just reminds you it's a beautiful day. We can move forward with that. Well, Alisa from Indianapolis says, my career goal is to be a confidence coach and speaker. I've done a few speaking gigs, but want to be able to counsel people individually as well. I'm focused on helping people overcome performance anxiety in music, athletics, and other pursuits. But I want to work with people who have been affected by addictions, relationship issues, and potentially mental health issues. Should I go back to school, which means accruing some debt, even with a graduate assistantship for a professional counseling degree and license, or should I focus on building my brand and gaining passport to coach individuals less on a clinical level and more as a life coaching level? Financially, would it be worth the investment to go back to school? Well, Elisa, I love your questions and love your positioning here. You just get to decide if you want to be a counselor or a coach now with counseling and and you address some things here that you want to work with people who are affected by addictions, relationship issues, and potentially mental health issues. I mean, those pretty traditionally fit within a counseling framework. So if you really want to do those, yeah, I think it makes sense to position yourself as a counselor and to do that, it would help to have a graduate degree, a bachelor's degree in psychology or whatever it may be, is really not enough to position you as a counselor. You need at least a master's degree. I have my master's in clinical clinical psychology. So that's what I did, pursued that so I could be positioned as a counselor. Now, what I found is that I wasn't a good fit as a counselor, even though there was plenty of work there. I'm too impatient. Things move too slowly. People with those addictions, relationship issues, and mental health issues, and they may need you as a counselor for a year or 18 months or 24 months. Guy, my attention span's too short. I want to work with people who are already up and running, who are used to taking action, changing their own destinies. And so it was a very natural move for me to position myself as a coach. But there are some distinctions there. So if you want to deal with those things that I just mentioned, then yeah, go back to school. Now, here's the other thing. You say, gee, going back to school means accruing debt. Well, it didn't for me. I mean, I went back and got my master's degree, and I didn't have a penny of student loan debt. I, Joanne and I already had, let's see, at that point, we had one small child. Kevin would have been about four years old at that point. We moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I had a teaching assistantship, which you say that you could get. I had a teaching assistantship at Western Kentucky University, which erased the tuition. And then they paid me, I think they paid me $200 a month. This is a long time ago. (laughs) I'm sure it's more now, but I got tuition waived and $200 a month. We lived in a house where I talked the landlady into letting us live there. She was resistant to having graduate students live there because of having bad experience. But we talked her into it because we were this sweet young couple with a cute little kid and she you know agreed to let us live there well i never paid her a penny rent 
Now, I guess I taught her a lesson for being so trusting, didn't I? No, that's not what happened at all. We agreed that I would work on the place. We moved into the house where she and her husband had lived for years. And the house had been kind of neglected. So I worked in the house. I restored three fireplaces, did all the painting and upgrading inside, uncovered a patio in the back that had been grown over and grown up with weeds. And so I worked and worked and worked and calculated my time against the rent. And as it turns out, I I never did pay any rent because I worked it off totally. So we had no rent, no tuition, $200 a month income. Joanne did tailor-made clothes for hard-to-fit women as a little bit of extra income, and we just lived on that. So we had no debt. We had zero debt, came out of there, went on from there. I could do anything I wanted to because I didn't have any debt accrued at all. Now, this is still, there are a lot of factors to be considered if you want to be a coach or a counselor. I love the world of coaching. I mean, we have a lot of fun in the world of coaching, and sometimes the world of counseling can be kind of uh, emotionally draining and and sad, and limited, and limiting. Well, again, be that as it may, I mean, we need both. And I'm not making a case for one or the other, but you can decide. You know, check out our coaching mastery program. I'll put a link in the podcast notes today, but you can go right to our coaching mastery program. I mean, we're having a blast in that. We've got some really cool people in there. We're going to have a get-together, a two-day get-together, just for the people in that group. And we have 22 people in that group right now in the coaching mastery program. So we go through, they get disc certified. They go through my coaching one-on-one. They get four hours of individual coaching with me as I help them in their coaching of other people. We document 40 hours of paid coaching, and then they get their 48 days certified coaching certification. But uh, check that out. I mean, I'd be delighted to talk to you about that. Our coaching mastery program. Kevin from Wisconsin, from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, Oshkosh. I used to love that word as a little kid. Wasn't, weren't there overalls that had that were Oshkosh by gosh on them? I think there were overalls. I think that's what made Oshkosh famous, perhaps. Anyway, Kevin says, "Listen to this. This this is really cool. Every time I leave a job, either fired or voluntary, I always am overcome with this wave of guilt and believe that I don't deserve a position better than what I left. I often feel like I deserve less." Then what I left. Do you have any suggestions or advice to counter this cycle? Yes, yes, and yes, I do. Now, to break that cycle, I mean, that is really important to break that cycle because if you feel like you deserve less, guess what you are moving toward? Less. You simply will create the framework that'll draw you to things that are even less because you're going to end up pretty much where you expect to and where you think you deserve to. Now this plays out on a lot of levels. Look at these young college football players who come out of the projects, come out of the ghetto and they're great football players. They get a $10 million advance. You know what happens to them six months later? an unfortunate percentage of them, they're broke and back in the environment they just came out of. They didn't conform to the rules. They made sure they were arrested, detained, and broke because their image of what they deserved did not match the reality of what they had in their hand. 
And so they made sure their reality matched their mental image of what they thought they deserved. I mean, we can, we can use that for us or against us. I mean, obviously, as I just have described, that works against us. It can do the same thing for any of us. Don't let your expectations sabotage your opportunity for success. I mean, that's a very real thing where we often see people who just at the moment of their greatest success sabotage it. Gee, they have an affair. They embezzle. They steal. They do something stupid that absolutely crushes the door they were just getting ready to walk through. Now, now this is an ongoing process. This isn't something that happens just overnight, but let me give you some specific help for what you can do. Again, you're talking about you think you may deserve less than the crappy job you just left. Well, I have three suggestions for you. For this again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. Take your pick. Again, it's audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. The Magic of Thinking Big, David Schwartz, I reread that about every six months, have for years and years and years. It's a phenomenal little book about thinking big. If you think big, big things tend to show up in your life. This is not just some kind of mind trick, just some kind of airy-fairy, positive mental thinking. I mean, it's more than that. It's creating a mindset of expectation, and your reality does tend to catch up with that. So that one. Again, audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. Take your pick. The magic of thinking big. How to win friends and influence people. You cannot stay in the mindset that you just described if you read and implement the principles in how to win friends and influence people. Zig Ziglar, see you at the top. We use that as part of our homeschooling process for our children. See you at the top. How to think in ways that get you to the top, how to see opportunities that other people miss. So there's my recommendation for you, Kevin, is those three things. Those three books, they're all short. They're inspirational. You can get the free audio if you're not yet a member of Audible. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash 48 days. Take your pick. The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dale Carnegie. See you at the top. Zig Ziglar. You can break that pattern. Man, let me know when you let me know when you do. Let me know when you expect a killer job, your dream job, and actually land that. Well, this comes from Adam, who says, Earlier this year I was laid off from an independent contractor position, was not eligible for unemployment. Needing the income fast, I accepted the first job offer I received, even though I knew it was a position I would not particularly enjoy. I have worked at this job for about four months. I have now begun to see job opportunities, which I would rather pursue. If I were to leave the company that I'm, if I were to leave this company anytime soon, I believe it would make things difficult for my boss and coworkers. It's a small company and I'm the only one there who does my specific job. Though I don't like the job, my colleagues are the nicest people and I don't wish any trouble for them. Would it be ethical for me to leave the company knowing they'll be shorthanded? Adam, well, you obviously have a sensitive heart and you're caring and concerned and compassionate. Those are admirable qualities. Don't walk away from those. We don't want to diminish those. However, do you need to stay in a position that you recognize is not a fit? 
No. Now, I say that with a little bit of a caveat because I'm not sure what kind of a position you're describing. You don't describe it at all. If you're flipping hamburgers at McDonald's, tell them that Friday is going to be your last day. They've got other people standing in line. Nothing wrong with that at all. They can find other people to do what you do. If, however, you went through a 90-day training program to get you up to speed, that's a little bit different. If you're not four months or you're only one month really into doing the work, you, with having gone through their training program, have really made kind of an ethical commitment to them to go beyond that. But I would open the door to having a conversation anyway. You might be surprised at how that goes. Now, I just yesterday had a one-hour conversation with my son, Jared, who lives in Kigali, or not in, he's not in Kigali, Rwanda. He's in Nairobi, Kenya. He moved there four months ago with a company that gave him a fancy title, a fancy office, and a fancy salary, a fancy car, and fancy benefits. Four months ago, he is bored out of his mind. Not, not particularly bored, but he, it is such a struggle. Every day is like a year. It is so much not a fit for him. So he had a conversation with his boss. He said, since I've come, the company has taken another direction. It's not a good fit for me. And the boss says, oh my gosh, we have dumped stuff on you that had nothing to do with what we brought you up here for. He says, I know that. He says, I so appreciate what you've done. And Jaron's like, oh my gosh, really? So, I mean, it wasn't any surprise to anybody to have the conversation. They agreed on a timeline for Jared's gentlemanly exit. It's fairly quick. Everybody's content with that. The guy agreed that things had really changed. It was not fair to Jared. He recognized Jared's angst and is not holding him to anything. Jared's fulfilling all of his agreements. Is gonna continue, he's going to help them complete the sale of a couple, um, couple of their properties that Jared has kind of been in the driver's seat for. Jared's going to continue to do that, so he's not leaving them hanging. You just need to do the same thing. Just have the conversation with them and then decide on what your exit timeline could be. Ultimately, you're not doing anybody any favors by staying in a job where you know it's not a good fit for you. You're not doing the company any favor by trying just to do, help them out by staying there. No, you need to move on. Any company, knowing your sense of unrest, would not try to keep you there. They recognize nobody wins with that. They need to release you to go on and do your own thing. I mean, Dave Ramsey and I have had that conversation a hundred times. You know, over the years, people have left him and left me. He's got a much bigger company. So it's natural that people are going to grow, come to a new level of competence, see new opportunities and move on to other things. They leave with Dave's blessing. He loves seeing those people go on to great success outside of there, the new things that they're doing. I could give you a lot of names who you would maybe recognize. That's the way that it works. Well, hey, we are out of time already. Hey, I appreciate you being part of this amazing community. No, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop for a minute before I continue there because we've had some things happen in the 48days.net community that are just beyond explanation. The, the the success stories we're having there as we see people who are linking arms, helping each other, yes, promoting the things that they're doing to each other because we all need each other. 
I need the services of somebody who understands how to do eBooks well. I need the services of somebody who knows how to do podcasting well and can help me with that. I want to purchase the services of other people whose skills complement my own. So I don't feel offended when they show me what it is they're doing and what they're selling. Well, that's what's happening in 48days.net. If you want to elevate your own success, I mean, check us out. It's a free community. I mean, it's, it's not like there's any cost to be involved there. It's a free community, but we love seeing the success stories there. Hey, if you want one of those two last positions in uh, the Innovate Conference, you can check it out. I, I'm not sure they'll be there by the time you get there, but it's Innovate 2013. You can see exactly what we're doing there. And Ashley let you know if we, if we need to put you on the list for uh, the ones coming up next year, and those will be here before we know it. We've already got speakers and artists lined up for some of the events next year. This one's going to be super spectacular, but I'm sure we'll match the spectacularness as we move forward as well. But thanks for being part of this community and the things that we're doing, knowing that you're one of those who are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable. Hey, you don't have to settle for less. You can do it. Let us know your success stories as you move forward.